pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 117. Today I'm going to chat with Admiral Nola and Ken Ross from Sentry Arms. Talk about a man who died momentarily and now wants to get out of his prison sentence and discuss a ridiculous decision the Supreme Court has recently made. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Ken, Adam, how are you guys doing today? Wonderful. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm not doing so great. I, I worked out this morning for a few hours and I'm definitely hurting. And as we speak, it's a good thing we don't have the camera on because I, I literally have like heating pads all over me because <laughs> my muscles are so sore. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's not a great, uh, morning so far. I mean, working out is supposed to be a good sore. It's not a good sore. So it is. It's a good sore and it'll pay off. And it obviously has because anybody who listens to the show knows that I've been working out now for about a year and you could definitely see like some changes, but it's like, uh, still every now and then, I guess maybe I'm just working out different muscles and it's, uh, yeah, it's, I guess I'm not complaining, but my girlfriend actually, she's, uh, one of the bar instructors and we met through bar. And so she taught the class this morning and I just kept giving her the evil eye. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you trying to kill us? You know, cause she's just, you know, pushing us and making us do all these crazy things. But I guess in the end, you know, I think, I thank her for it. Yeah, absolutely. Working out is definitely important. But the problem with me is I worked out this morning and then we had Taco Tuesday and this just destroyed, you know, four baskets of chips and Listen, tacos to feed a small village in Mexico. So I, mean, I think I'm going the opposite direction today. No, I mean, is there, that's the reason why you work out so you could eat whatever you want, right? Cause I'm like a yeah, huge foodie and I could never die. If I had to like watch what I ate, forget it. I would be so hangry all the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. You already got your, you know, your metabolism flowing and, uh, and you know, so it doesn't really count. You know what? I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to stick to my plan. <laughs> and when I'm 500 pounds in a year at shot next year, I'm going to blame you. Okay. But don't sue me. Okay. That's fair. You know, but, but that's how you handle everything nowadays. It is. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, people who, you know, are much better than that, Manicor Arms. You know, a lot of people have Scorpion Evos and I was looking over at their website and I saw they have a 15 inch M lock four end. It's $179. It adds three inches. Who doesn't want that extra three inches? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it's great if you want to add a suppressor, but they have all kinds of other stuff made for, you know, the Scorpions, uh, ARs, AKs. I mean, you name it. They have all kinds of accessories. And if you want to buy that, instead of paying the 179 all you have to do is use the code GUNFUNNY15 and you will get 15% off. And that is at manicorearms.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, guys. So, um, Ken, I've known you for a little while. I guess yeah, it it's been, been a while. it has. Yeah. And I remember the first time I met you, I think it was at shot show and you were like, yeah, I was listening to your podcast while I was, you know, flying to Vegas. And who would have thought that that day, you know, flash forward to today, you'd be on the show. I know. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. <laughs> like you're really getting your name out there. No, I'm uh, yeah, I haven't been in the industry very long, uh, but I've been a fan of the industry for a long time. Nice. Just so that, you know, people know, what is, what are your guys's, uh, positions at Century Arms? 
Yeah, so uh, as, as my name is Adam Renola, I am the National Marketing Director for Century Arms, which encompasses all of the different brands that Century is proud to now uh, represent. And that is, of course, we have the Canic brand, we have Red Army Standard. Uh, we are so fortunate to now have brought in U.S. Palm, and then, of course, all the Century line as well as Century Surplus as well. And then, of course, Ken the Great over here. Yeah, well, my job, uh, one, the great is a great exaggeration. That's what that is. <laughs> but my job is to uh, make sure that uh, everything that Adam does looks good. Uh, everything he's in charge of looks really good. And uh, so. So uh, he's being modest. Ken is the creative director here at Century Canic, U.S. Palm, and Red Army Standard. So basically he does all the work and I try to take all the credit. <laughs> nice. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. So you're, so Adam, you're the face and Ken, you just, you know, you kind of like I, that, that muscle done. behind it. Yeah, I get the work done. That's, that's a fine. scary face to have. You know, <laughs> I think I have a face built more for podcasts. So that's why we're really glad to be here today. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm wondering why, why did I go into the podcast business? I should be like on movies and, you know, I don't and, know. You know, it's really, really... humility that shines through, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Humility. That's the first thing that comes to mind with me. All right. So, um, how does Century Arms start? Cause it's been around for a while. Yeah, you know, Century Arms is one of those neat stories that really truly is kind of the American dream. And the American dream that, like we all experience in life, doesn't exactly take the direction you think it was going to take. Mm -hmm. So it was founded in 1961 in Vermont. The Sutra family, William Sutra, started, and he was actually, ironically, he had absolutely nothing to do with firearms. He was actually a typewriter repairman. Wow. And, yeah, so he, he was he, he's repaired uh, old typewriters. Uh, both for customers, he would buy old typewriters, repair them, and then resell them. And he had a customer come in who needed a repair done and didn't have the money to pay. So like it was in 1961, the barter system was a much more uh, commonplace in terms of currency. And so he had this old Lee Enfield rifle that he said, hey, can I trade this in against my customer repairs? And William Sutra didn't really know what to do with it, but he said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. So he, he took it, he put it in the store window, and ironically, it sold like that. And so he said, well, you know, maybe there's something to this. And that happened a couple of times. And the next thing you know, he realized, wow, you know, I could take a post out in a classified ad in the newspaper and sell these guns. And the popularity of it just grew to the point where he actually replaced his typewriter business with the rifle business and he started seeking out, you know, different sources of surplus rifles that he could then turn around and sell individually. And it just really grew into something that is now today. I mean, it, you know, it expanded both into foreign countries. Uh, you know, we now have offices in the U S and in Canada. Um, and over the years, century has become the single largest importer of firearms in the U S and Canada as it stands today. Wow. Isn't that crazy how things just kind of, it actually, that story reminds me very much of like how my parents got started into the gun business, how they started a gun store. Somebody owed them money and gave them guns and then they just sold them. They realized, oh, okay, what do you know? There's like, you know, a profit. I mean, obviously this was a few years ago, uh, oh, much, I don't know, 30 something years ago. So, um, there's not as much of a profit now, but, but it is, it's crazy how things get started. When did you, when did Century Arms start making their own firearms? Right. So, you know, it was a really interesting dynamic in regards to that too. So like I said, Century is the largest importer of firearms in the U.S. and Canada. And as the 
marketplace internationally began, began to dry up and sanctions began to take effect as we know they have over the last couple of years. Well, more than a couple of years now, but both from a competitive side trying to bring in these imports and then also from the sanctions, it became harder and harder for uh, the U.S. market to get these guns. And it became much more of a recognizable uh, fact that at some point it was going to become nearly impossible or just not cost effective to mm-hmm. continue to import the volume that was needed to supply the U.S. market with the demand there was. So Century, as well as a couple of other companies, you know, really identified the fact that it was time to start making All-American Mayday Cakes. Um, Century has been very familiar over the years with the process because a lot of the firearms that come in from importers around the world, people don't realize, are actually come in as parts kits. They mm-hmm. don't come in as completed rifles. A lot of them won't allow them to come in as completed rifles. So there's been a lot of assembly and fit and finish that is done in the United States for years with all all of the AKs that have come in both from the Century side as well as many other companies that handle it. Um, so there was already a, a bit of familiarity when it came to how to uh, construct the AK. Ironically, though, you know, the AK is known as one of those guns that can't be destroyed. What we quickly learned, and so did a ton of other manufacturers in the U.S. when trying to build an all-American raid, is as hard as it is to destroy, it's even harder to make one that works with the reliability that people have come to know and expect from mm-hmm. the AK line. And so that's where you've seen these these issues over the years uh, from every manufacturer that's attempted to really get it. You know, the interesting thing about the AK and the Kalishnikov process is the technical data package or TDP as it's called in the industry, it's like the Holy grail, you know? And not only that, there's 25 different companies in places that claim to have the original technical data package, the TDP that turns out not to be the truth. So if you're building off of these plans and these specs, a lot of times these subtle nuances on such a chaotic machine uh, can make the largest difference, you know, from the a slight, slight relief cut, on the inside of a trunnion to, you know, less than a fifth or 0.5 millimeters in terms of, you know, the receiver uh, width. All these little things that seem so inconsequential to anybody that's not an engineer and even some of the best engineers in the firearms industry, they made these huge impacts when it came to, you know, the chaotic nature that is the functionality of the AK. And so you've seen these individuals, including Century Arms, that I've had to go back to the drawing board repeatedly in order to get it to where it is now. And that's what we're so proud to finally have taken American innovation and used it with, you know, the Soviet uh, block, the com block brilliance in terms of the creation to create something that we, in our opinion, and, it, and I don't think it's, you know, terrible to say is better than the original in terms of the materials used, the dependability, the coatings. Uh, I mean, the all American made AK is truly becoming something of its own while still paying a, a, a homage and a tribute to its predecessor. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So how long do you think it took for them to finally create an AK that was reliable? And this is a process been been worked on for, you know, nearly a decade now. And, it, you know, we're at that point now, the Visca is our, our flagship in terms of the all American made AK. Uh, it's selling incredibly well here in the United States to the point that we are significantly backordered. You know, we're constantly putting out producing rifles every day and just to fulfill the orders that are already placed. Um, We haven't even come into, obviously, shot shows right around the corner where you see a huge influx in orders as well. It's it's one of those things where we have identified, you know, everybody talked about cast versus forged and 
and all these things in terms of the metallurgy. Well, now it's gone from forged to S7, which S7 is a steel that's used in jackhammer tips and wow. these, you know, this significantly this high friction, high impact material that can last, which is what you're looking for without it being so hard that it becomes almost brittle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're developing it more and, and, you know, one of my favorite lines of all times, if you're not evolving, you're dying. So while we found some things that work very well, uh, our engineering team is constantly day by day, uh, improving the process, continuing to investigate and then taking the insight that consumers want in terms of, Hey, this is the innovation we want to see next. So while I would love to say, Hey, we're at the point of this great AK, uh, the sign of a good company, in my opinion, is that they're never, never satisfied and we're going to continue to innovate. Uh, fantastic design and make it even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good way of looking at things. So Century Arms, you guys have like your hands pretty much in everything. What are some of the products that Century Arms makes? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've had our hands in all kinds of things. We've manufactured, you know, G3s, L1A1s, AK-47, uh, sp- uh, sporterized Mausers. You know, we're in the process of, of working very closely with some of our overseas partners to uh, do some joint ventures um, to possibly bring over some opportunities to manufacture some of these very uh, highly demanded imported products, have them imported in the United States, have them manufactured in the United States. Panic USA is something we're very proud to say is, is going to be something that is going to be under the century umbrella and manufactured in the United States very soon. So yeah, we've a number of things, you know, and then we've, innovated in terms of some of the imports that have come in that haven't necessarily been as desirable to then recreate them into desirable products with our engineering team here in the United States. So, I mean, it really is a wide array, but I think the thing that we are the most proud of is going to be all the AK-47 variants from the C-39B2 to the Visca to a number of different, uh, dynamics of that that we're spinning off as we go along. Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical real quick. So I just got news that SB Tactical just launched the TAC-13-SBA3 and the TAC-13-SBA4. So very similar to, you know, obviously the SBA3 and SBA4, but this brace actually fits on a Remington V3 TAC-13 platform. And I actually, uh, when this show comes out, it'll be Monday, so I would have actually already shot this, but I'm going to Savannah for the Big Daddy Unlimited Epic shoe, and I plan to shoot it there. So hopefully I'll get some footage of the, you know, of this product. But SB Tactical, they're always coming out with some really cool stuff. And uh, yeah, I would definitely check them out. Uh, the website is sb-tactical.com. Use the coupon code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off. All right, so Adam, let's talk about the Canic. And can you recently, you guys sent me one. And, um, as well as the Draco, which I have some really good plans for that, but the Canic. So I remember when it first came out and I was at shot show and they were, I mean, it's, it's definitely come such a long way. Cause I just remember it being, you know, fairly basic, like a basic model, super affordable. And, um, and even then a lot of people were kind of ranting and raving about it, but how has it changed over the years? You know, I think I want Ken's opinion on this too, cause we both enjoy shooting and we both enjoy, you know, being out on the range, competing, doing all these different things, but everybody has their own opinion on it. 
I'll tell you, I'm relatively new to Century and Decanic in terms of coming to work here. I've only been here a little under six months, but I've been in the industry for many, many years. And um, one of the things that was so exciting about being having the opportunity to come work here was the opportunity to represent Decanic. You know, I, I still say this, and I say it, and, and I mean it in a really positive way. In my opinion, Canik is the best handgun out there that most people have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it really is. It's one of those guns that, in my opinion, your complete perspective of it changes once you actually put one in your hand and pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of what we're shifting the, the, the marketing campaign to from a, from a, how do we get the exposure and how do we win customers? Is I said, you know, we can try to go out there and put billboards up and, you know, have the biggest booth at SHOT Show and, you know, travel all over the country every single day to every media event and stuff, which is fantastic and definitely necessary. But what I think we really need to focus on and what I think is really driving consumer business now is people getting the opportunity to actually feel the gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once people pull the trigger, whether it's a dry fire or live on the range, the first thing they do is turn around and look and go, wow, that trigger. And they say, you know, what kind of triggers in this and what kind of parts in it? Man, this thing is so accurate. What have you guys done to it? And every one of the guns that people are shooting on these range events and when we test fire at media events and just when people shoot my gun as a friend, those are stock guns. You know, the the, the amount of attention and detail and, and frankly, love that goes into these guns is impressive. And the fact that it has the trigger pull and the accuracy and the dependability and the features that come with each and every one of these firearms um, stock and they do it all at the price point they do is truly something that I, as a, as a, as a marketing individual in a company, I'm really excited to see because it makes my job a lot easier and and, makes me look like I know what I'm doing when the success of the company continues to meteorically rise as it has just because it's such a great product. It really has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go ahead and strike that out of this podcast, that'd be great. So I don't get fired, you know, but other than that. Hold on. Wait, yeah, so I mean, what do you want me to take out? Um, I'm being a very sarcastic. Oh, okay. Cause I'm like, I'm like, you know, that's doable. I, uh, I'm, I'm oh, no, no, no. with that all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I just, Ava, yes. I'm sorry. You are an instructor as well. And mm-hmm. uh, as instructors, you know, I've been teaching for a long time. It's how I got into the industry. Canic is one of those guns that you can see in a classroom and you know is it, that it's a reliable gun, that it is adjustable, that the student didn't go out and get scammed at the, uh, at the, uh, gun dealership and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come, they didn't buy a gun that didn't work, doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. They bought a gun that is reliable and it works and you can go down and you can grab it and you can say, okay, this is going to do this and this trigger is going to do this and the recoil is going to feel like this. You know, you don't, you know, they didn't spend a thousand dollars or their husband didn't talk them into a gun or uh, the guy behind the sales counter didn't talk them into a bad gun. They have a really good gun. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I also came here because uh, I'm a gun guy. Yeah, and I couldn't work for a company that was producing a product, uh, a pistol that was just garbage. You know, it, I just couldn't do it because I couldn't look you guys in the face at SHOT Show mm-hmm. and you're looking at me with that uh, look like, yeah, you're just collecting a paycheck. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, I totally I'm agree. I'm that, And I'm like, I know. And I'm very picky as to like what, you know, there's been a lot of companies that are like, hey, we want to advertise with you. And I'm like, sorry, I don't like your product at all. Like I've had lots of issues. Um, so I just recently reviewed the Canic and I was really impressed with it. The model that I got, it was 
it was kind of like what the second less expensive model and yes. and what is that like i think msrp is like 300 something yes that's exactly right I, which I'm you got sorry. the tp9 elite the, sc right the yeah. new subcompact no i didn't get the oh, sc no, she got the uh the uh what was it the sa uh the uh, no it was the sf uh, one series okay. All yeah. Right, okay yeah so the, so the tp9 sf1 the one series is one of those ones that like exactly what we were talking about it is everything that you need to get started without having to break the bank if it's something that you want to give the canic line a start and give it a try um it's got the exact same trigger that our premium perceived premium lines have it's got the exact same coded components uh, same slide Everything that you would need, and it comes with one magazine in the case. It's very simplistic, and 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 with that, the the price is reflected. So mm-hmm. it's a sub three hundred dollar gun that you know is going to work every time. You know it's going to be accurate. You know you're going to have a crisp, clean trigger pull and a really nice reset. And uh, there's a lot of opportunities to do modifications to that gun mm-hmm. that then can you know obviously increase the. Uh, the performance of it if that's if that's what you're looking to do so that's really that that's really close to the entry level and then it goes all the way up into like we, we were just hinted on a minute ago just came out with the tp90 elite sc which is our subcompact which just released a couple of weeks ago um which is selling like hotcakes so we have everything to our executive which is a a joint venture with salient arms where you know you're seeing a salient barrel trigger package you know sights uh mag release mag well all kinds of these amazing features that each come with a, you know, assumed price tag of two, three, four, five hundred $500 per addition. Mm-hmm. And you're getting everything with the Canon gun, including all the salient parts for under $800. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and I was, and it's optics ready. Yeah. That's uh, those, that line, uh, the executive is optics ready. And, as well as this is the new SC, which now comes with, which co-witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so on an SC platform to have a co-witnessing, option is, is something that's very attractive and that, you know, ambidextrous mag release, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, a reversible mag release, ambidextrous slide release, all these things, a chamber indicator, uh, all these different little tiny features, uh, uh, comes with a new holster that is a reversible inside the waistband, outside the waistband. It comes with a 12 and 15 round mag. I mean, you know, flush base plate, if you'd like to switch it up that way, tool set, everything that you need, uh, TSA approved travel case, all for under four hundred dollars. Yeah. So three seventy nine, and you know, it just goes to speak on what it is. Is genuinely there is there is so much more opportunity to increase the margin as a corporation to uh, make more because of the features. But I, I genuinely think that both Century and Canic, as as companies, are committed to getting the firearm out there, letting it speak for itself, and knowing that while the margins not be as high, the product's so good that the volume will be there to support it and help the company grow mm-hmm. and then obviously come out with new and innovative products. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys have any um, plans to create one that has like a long slide on it? Actually, we already have one of those. We have a competition gun. And if you try, uh, follow Niels Johansson, I think I'm pronouncing yeah, right. Niels yeah, Johansson, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's our competition shooter and uh, he is winning all over the place with our long slide. Yes, the TP9 Elite SFX. So the SFX is our competition gun. Um, which actually, like you said, Nils and a number of other shooters are are doing really well. I mean, Nils is winning international and national competitions all over the country and doing it 
with a nearly stock gun. He's, he's, you know, put in a competition trigger and a couple of little, I think a magwell and so, uh, a couple of little small mm-hmm. additions just to help him with speed. But other than that, it's a stock gun and he's, you know, doing a sub $1,000 gun running against these four and $5,000 race guns and beating them. And it says Which actually, is, cause I'm on the website. So, uh, MSRP is like 555 for yeah, it. Right. It's and, crazy. And, and I like yeah. all the little window cuts in the slide. Yeah. Exactly. The serrations on it, like the, the things about it. And, you know, one of the nicest, and he said this in passing the other day, he was at one of the national uh, championships and they, there was a bunch of dust flowing up and it was causing some severe malfunctions with the guns. He looked and somebody was asking him a question. They, somebody's happened to catch it on tape. It wasn't even for promotional use. And they said, you know, what do you think your advantage is going to be? You know, moving into these last couple stages, he was in fifth, I think at the time he ended up taking second nationally. He said, uh, well, one thing I know is my gun's going to function properly even with all this dust. <laughs> and it, it wasn't a knock on anybody else's. Yeah. It wasn't even like I said something he was using a promotion. It was just to me to see our, our ambassador and our team captain so confident in the product line. It really speaks volumes in, mm-hmm. in my opinion about the Canic line. Definitely. And I mean, if anybody's ever taken a training class, you see all the time guns failing or like on ARs recently, I just saw, I took a class and people's, you know, accessories are falling off left and right. And it's, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's like, what a mess and and constant like malfunction. So especially when you're doing, you know, if you're shooting competitively, it's really important that you have reliable gun because that'll absolutely make or break the entire, you know, competition. Absolutely. So I'm kind of it makes the cost of entry a lot easier. Oh yeah. Uh, look at the price on that gun. Yeah. To start shooting competition with other firearms that are out there, uh, yeah, you got to get them modified. You got to buy six, seven hundred dollars worth of additional uh, gear. And with our comp, with our gun, yeah, you pull it out of the case, and a new competition shooter won't see any difference from their gun and a gun that has a thousand dollars worth of accessories added to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what is the most sold gun to date? For the Canic line? No, just in for Sentry Arms, I guess. Yeah, so considering obviously, all- I mean, our, our Visca is becoming the Wasser 10, obviously from an import side has, mm-hmm. has had a, an amazing history. It really has. And it's definitely one of our best sellers of all time. The Wasser 10 from an import, the Visca from a American manufactured AK is hands down breaking records and numbers everywhere. Uh, for the Canic side, it's going to be the TP9 Elite SF, which is, you know, very similar to the firearm you shot. And then as of recently, uh, like I said, the Visca is just breaking, breaking records for us all over the place. And from the Canic side, our subcompact has far exceeded all, all expectations and goals we set for the first month and a half of sales and doesn't look to slow down anytime soon. Wow. That's cool. Uh, changing the subject a little bit. So I was, uh, just kind of looking around your guys' website last night and I noticed the C308 Sporter, which is very similar to the HK91, but it doesn't have, you know, it's not costing like thousands of dollars. You guys, I thought, I think you guys had it. MSRP was like $800 or something. Um, can you tell me about that? Like that, like it was pretty much exact replica. Yeah. So the C308 is an import. And it, what it does is we bring it in, as we discussed earlier, kind of that a lot of the times parts kits are the way that we're able to import these in. So they come in as parts kits. We have to do some modifications because these firearms, we got them from the Spanish Army. 
and they had obviously full auto capability at that point. So we bought, I mean, we bought them all. We bought all the Spanish armies, uh, uh, rifles from this and, and had to bring them in. And we were able to partner with, uh, a very well-respected, uh, company in this industry to give us some, some critical, uh, manufacturing points as well as production points for this. I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but I don't mind saying we teamed up with PTR on that a little bit. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good partners in this industry. And while a lot of people view them as competitors, sometimes it's, you know, advantageous to work together. We're mm-hmm. ultimately all in this, all in this together. And the moment we clash to the point where we can't help each other at some point is, in my opinion, when our fail begins, you know, and the demise of the industry begins. So we were able to work with them. We had to, you know, cut down the barrel, change the receiver. Um, if you look at the bottom of our receiver, you can tell it's completely brand new. Change some manufacturing points on it and assemble it into what is now the C308 Sporter, which, as you noticed, uh, we've come up with a couple of different options from over the years. We've had a polymer version. We've had a uh, standard wood version. We've had uh, some Cerakoted versions. Um, all kinds of different options, but like you said, it, it's very similar to some other uh, some other firearms out in the industry, and the same comparability in terms of uh, performance and reliability. Um, we were just able to do it because of our importing capabilities and manufacturing capabilities. We were able to do it at a, at a very aggressive price point, and then pass that savings on to the end user. Wow! So, Adam, I just got to say, you know, I'm I'm very impressed with your vocabulary. As like somebody who has an English degree, I'm sitting over here and I'm like, oh yeah, that word. Hmm, he used that's pretty impressive. And then, and I can't help but think like, you know, Ken and I over here, we're just like, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because Ken is actually handing me big words one at a time. <laughs> okay. And, and I have to. I, I, he promised. I promised him that I would use them into every fourth <laughs> sentence. Uh, Automatopia. And I was right. the one, I, I, he handed me that one like five minutes ago. I didn't know how to use it, so I just threw it out there so I didn't get beat with the <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Gun funny? Yeah, there you go. Good, I did there. You're welcome. That's yeah. my one funny part for the day, too. Perfect. Uh, so you guys do a lot of stuff with like surplus and that was another thing. I was looking at your website and some of the stuff I'm like, I didn't even recognize these guns. Granted, I don't have a lot of knowledge about old guns just because I've, I've only been in the industry for, you know, about seven years. So anything that I really have learned, it's all about modern guns. But I mean, there was stuff that I'm like, I've never even heard of. And you guys definitely had some really cool, unique stuff on the website. And is that just a matter of just, you know, do you have somebody that just searches all over the world for these products? Like, yeah. So, so I'll, I'll get into kind of how that works. And then I, there's a really neat story of the last time Ken and I were up there. I want Ken to tell it because it had a really beautiful ending. Uh, the surplus division is an, an entire division. Um, and it's run by a bunch of hardworking men and women who do everything from we have scouts all over the world that are constantly searching for you know, government acquisitions, you know, company mergers, uh, all kinds of, you know, police, police auctions, all kinds of opportunities to uh, procure uh, surplus items. And the surplus items, like you notice, aren't just guns. You know, we have everything from guns to uh, we, uh, we were joking before the show started. I've got dummy grenade, a dummy grenade sitting on my on my desk that is actually filled with uh, semen. You can actually hear it. And and I, when I asked our our head, our Phil, our head of surplus, why that was, he told me that these were old dummy um, 
army army training grenades that were then somehow stolen and they were filled. They tried to fill them halfway full of concrete and uh, Colombian drug lords were trying to then convert them back to original grenades. And so that then when they fragmented the cement and the shell, of the grenade would cause much more damage. And then they were able to obviously find this, uh, confiscate them back and ensure that they uh, were never used for that. But they have all the old government markings. I mean, look at this. It says RFX55, number six. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds official. Yeah, it does. Um, it sounds really cool. And, and you know, when we, as we walk through the, through the, uh, surplus side in the bonded warehouse of our facility in Vermont, you'll see everything from, you know, we were just so fortunate to be able to acquire a company called Springfield Sporters, which was another large, uh, surplus company that started in almost the exact same time as Century. And were competitors, but also partners over the years. And as their business started to wane and, you know, families started to focus their attention elsewhere, Century was fortunate enough to work with them to procure their inventory and, to, and keep the company's uh, history alive. And, you know, with that, we got t- over 20,000 infield drill rifles. Wow. And these infield drill rifles have amazing stories. You know, they were, they were, you know, made in India and, and, and used in, in, in British drill rifles. And if you just look at these and look at the, the markings on them, the paint schemes, and there's just so much history. In them. And, and then, you know, we get these Mausers in and some of the Mausers might go for a hundred bucks and our surplus team is so knowledgeable. They'll pick one up and go, oh, this is different. And it's a $25,000 collector's edition Mauser. And, it, and they're able to pick it up off of one market, you know, and they're constantly putting this stuff online Every day, if, if you're interested, if that's something, whether you're a dealer or just an end user, a consumer that's really passionate about these kind of things, you can go to centuryarms.com and there's a surplus section. And if you click on that surplus section, you'll see stuff listed. And you can also sign up for updates. So they send out weekly updates to the surplus, century surplus section that then you can be the first person to know. And this stuff goes really, really fast, uh, especially the, the more rare and uh, one-offs. So it's, it's become a huge huge part of our business. And not only is it's not necessarily the most profitable, but it's a passion. And it's, you know, the, the, the family that owns Century Armory has been so, so passionate about preserving the side because it is such an important part of the, the 2A history. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's something that everybody at Century Arms is really, really proud of. And, you know, one little thing I want to hit on with this is, so we went up there a couple of weeks ago and we were checking out the facility and Ken was getting a bunch of creative footage for some videos we're going to be doing. And he just started digging through boxes. You know, at one point I walked back there and he was neck deep in dust and uh, he found something and he's Adam, you got to see this. And he took me back there. And as soon as I saw it, I knew how special it was. And I'll let Ken kind of tell the rest of the story if you got time. Yeah. Is uh, this, but Ken, is this one of the stories where I need to get like tissues? Uh, you might need one or two tissues. You won't need a box. This isn't a okay, box. Okay. Okay. Hold on. It's just like one or two tissues. All right. Hold on. Let uh, me ask, let me ask Tickles to bring me some tissues. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you trained now, you. Yeah. You yeah. know, she brings me beer, tissues, you know, best dog ever. Beer is an important one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sometimes like beer that. and tissues at the same time. Sometimes. I mean, yeah. they usually go hand in hand. Usually, you know. <laughs> All right. So tell me, uh, so what did you find? Uh, we found a old pilot's helmet, the leather kind with the uh, straps coming down the side and a set of goggles uh, that went over it. And it was sitting on a uh, dummy head. And inside of the box was also a couple of diaries, a flight log and a brief flight diary. And a letter 
that looked like someone had acquired these and tried to return it to the family, but it ended up being a bump back to them because they couldn't find them. So what we did is we reached out on our social media. And if you take a look through Century Arms social media, you might be able to find that in there and asked if anyone knew anything about this. And yeah, this pilot was, this is a 1941 flight log. So this wasn't something that, you know, I mean, it was, it was definitely something that had been floating around and this miracle was still around. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, on social media, we were able, you know, social media is a great tool nowadays. And a couple of really engaged uh, followers reached out and said, Hey, we did some research and we think this is the guy. And we reached out and they reached out to him. He contacted us. We did a little back and forth to confirm that this was the person. And it was the grandchild of the uh, pilot and they didn't know it existed, had no idea where it was. And we were able to get that back to him. And he was extremely excited to get it. Wow. So, yeah, uh, that room, I spent more time back there than Adam knows about uh, uh, going into that surplus area with those guys and going through all of the old guns. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. And you can get lost on our site. You know, you can spend hours. Adam said you should go visit centuryarms.com. You absolutely should, but don't do it unless you have three hours. Yeah, because you will get sucked in. You will start looking at guns. You'll start marking down what you want. That's what. And uh, you spend a lot of time. In there. Were you and spying on me last that night? Room. Because that's exactly how my night went last night. <laughs> so if you're a gun person, and I'm not just talking about sentry arms, I'm talking about we've got old Colts, old, uh, you know, we've got all kinds of firearms, old uh, Smith and Wesson's uh, revolvers in there were a big thing. Yeah, we had these, we had these, we got, we had, wow, yeah, I just had a brain fart there. Um, we had an opportunity to acquire a large number of Jerichos from the Israeli Defense Force. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so neat when they came in, we were looking at these Jerichos and, you know, there was a couple different versions and some of them had, some of them in the grips didn't look as, uh, as, as appealing. And the story behind that was, you know, they, they drill in the lanyard and keep them attached to their hip and they would break over the years and they just drill another hole, drill another hole. And it was little things like that that made the story neat. And then the star of David that was on some of these guns and stuff. It was just beautiful to see, you know, how, how the firearms community as a whole is so much more connected because so many people are truly passionate about about this industry and a passionate mm-hmm. about the farms. And it goes so much more than just what, you know, sensationalistic media wants to portray it as these destructive devices. There really is a passion and a culture that is almost religious in mm-hmm. sense in terms of how beautiful it is and what can be learned from people's passion towards their firearms. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's incredible. I would almost like to work in that area, like in the surplus section, even though I probably wouldn't know what I was looking at, but it's negative 15 um, degrees in Vermont right now, and I'm going up to Duarte. Uh, yeah, okay. You Never you on mind. tomorrow. You just need a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> a jacket, more like a bodysuit. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so I have one last question, and hopefully you guys can answer this. Um, I don't want to step on any toes, but tell me about the whole thing that happened with X-Tech and U.S. Palm. Um, I know there was a lawsuit a few years back. Yeah, yeah, there has been. You know, there's been a, a lot of he said, she said mm-hmm. on that. And and to be honest with you, you know, U.S. Palm was a really special opportunity for Century Arms. Uh, U.S. Palm had an amazing, amazing cult following. And uh, there was a couple of gentlemen that worked very, very hard to build that cult following. And they did it 
by doing a couple of things. One, they almost kind of had that middle finger to corporate America where it was, you know, we're going to do things how we're going to do things. And if you don't like it, we'll screw you. And secondly, they did that by also then focusing on the customer and making sure that the customer truly knew uh, that, that their business was valued and important and they wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't for the customer. And they were also, also constantly innovating, coming out with amazing new products and amazing new designs and stuff that lasted and was dependable. Uh, they ran in some hard times like any small business can. And unfortunately, it came to the point where, you know, fiscally, they didn't know if they were going to be able to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, word got out. The opportunity arose that Century Arms was able to approach them about acquiring the business in order to keep it, keep it alive. With that being said, there was some, there was some sticking points that both Century and U.S. Palm had. And U.S. Palm's sticking point was if, if we're going to, if we're going to sell, we need to be assured that the brand integrity and what this company has, you know, worked so hard to create isn't destroyed by corporate America. But we recognize the fact that we need a little bit more structured of a business to help this succeed and take it to the next level. So Century had to agree to that. And then Century's standards were, listen, you got all these, these, these rules and, and demands and we get them and we agree to them. But man, we need your insight to make this work. Mm-hmm. So we were very fortunate to have one of the key founders and growers of U.S. Palm come on board with us. And he now works with us daily to ensure, you know, both the integrity of all the Century brands and, and other, but he is still you know, very much involved in the U.S. Palm brand. And that's really one of the reasons that U.S. Palm has kind of almost been idle or dormant for a little bit. It's not because it's not ready to go or it's because we wanted to make sure the relaunch and the revitalization of U.S. Palm was done the right way mm-hmm. and with the integrity that it deserves and with the quality of product it deserves as we as we ramp up production, we want to make sure that we didn't sacrifice quality for quantity. Uh, and so there's been a ton of T&E done in ensuring that the exact same quality assurance that was given originally, we ought to give into this one and we can stand behind the product just as hard. And, you know, very, very, very soon, I'll say very soon, we will be announcing the official relaunch of U.S. Palm. And with that will come a lifetime warranty on all of our products. And it'll still have the same edge because uh, these individuals who created it are still making sure that that edge is there, that it's always had. And with all that being said, then there was the whole, you know, David versus Goliath of Century Arms versus other manufacturers out there that claimed, you know, that there was a, a bit of taking advantage of our larger size versus the little guy. While, you know, I'm not the kind of throw rocks or mudsling. What I will say is that it's a very simple, it's a very simple look. You know, when you acquire a company and a company has, like we talked about technical data packages earlier, when uh, you you acquire the technical data package and the intellectual property that comes with that company. And it it was very cut and dry. And uh, there was a large discretion in terms of if, other companies out there were using a technical data package that belonged to U.S. Palm and thus Century Arms. So we did what any American company would do when challenged. Instead of, you know, old school kicking in somebody's door and getting in a fist fight, you'd handle it civilly. And that's what we did. So we had to take it to court. And 
And that's in its process of working out. We're very confident that U.S. Palm will be able to continue on without there being, uh, you know, discretion in terms of what is the real thing moving forward. And we're just going to keep doing it the right way. We're going to focus on the customer. We're going to focus on the brand and supporting those who've supported us and supporting the 2A community and still having the edge we have uh, been known for as U.S. Palm since day one, but doing it with class. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all we can do. And that's really, I feel, all that really needs to be said on it because the, the rest of it's just kind of just static noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where can people find Sentry Arms? Yeah, so, so we, uh, you know, all the umbrella brands can be found at centuryarms.com. Mm-hmm. You, but we also have dedicated websites for all of the, all of our brands. There's a redarmystandard.com. There is a canicusa.com, which is up and running. It's a beautiful website. And we are very, very soon going to be launching uspalm.com. So with all those, you can, you can click on them through, navigate it through the Century Arms once you get done playing on the surplus side or looking where you can find, you know, uh, uh, Visca. You can navigate away or you can go directly to these, these, each of these individual websites via their name and dot com. All right. Cool. And you guys have some time to stick around for the rest of the show. You know, I think we might be able to. I'm, I'm still, yeah. I'm still waiting for that beer your dog was bringing, but other yeah, than that, I know. I, the thing is, here's the thing. She's like only four pounds. So it takes her a little longer than it would take a larger size dog, but she always gets the job done. She's never failed me. So, you know, just be patient. That's fair. All right. You know, way to guilt trip me. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, way to just make fun of a little dog. Gosh. No bullying. All right. Well, you know, who, you know who, what company doesn't bully? Sportsman's Guide. So Sportsman's Guide right now, I noticed uh, they have a home and gift section, which is obviously perfect for this time of year because, you know, holidays are right around the corner and um, they even have like, I was like looking, I'm like, how do they even have this much stuff on their freaking website? But gun concealment furniture, which was super affordable because I've seen gun concealment furniture out there and it's like cost an arm and a leg. They also had like a log wood bed and side tables and I mean, just all kinds of stuff, uh, throws. So I would say definitely, you know, head on over to Sportsman's Guide, look at their home and gift section. It's definitely worth a look at. Definitely has a lot of unique items. And if you see something you like, use the code GUNFUNNY20 and that gets you $20 off of $100 or more. And that is at sportsmansguide.com. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting. Awesome as never mind. A F. So I uh, just read this article and it kind of made me laugh. So I had to show. I had to share it. So headlines is Iowa inmate claims his life sentence ended when he died momentarily and was revived. And basically, this guy, this inmate, his name was Benjamin Schreiber. Uh, he was sentenced to life in prison for murder. And he was hit with severe septic poisoning, which basically is, uh, it means like a, he developed kidney stones that were so large that it caused him to urinate internally. So on March 30th, 2015, he fell unconscious and was rushed to the hospital where, do- where doctors, um, brought him back to life. So as a result, he is saying that because he died, you know, right before he was resuscitated, he technically fulfilled his life sentence, which was life in prison. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, I swear, like, 
I mean, what else do you have to do? You're sitting in a, a cell all day, you know, of course you're going to be creative and, and try to, you know, come up with, and, and let's face it, I'm actually surprised that this didn't go through with everything else that's, you know, crazy that's going through the court system. But luckily a district court judge wasn't convinced and basically said the fact that Schreiber was able to file legal motion petitioning for his release, the judge added in itself confirms the petitioner's current status as living. But yeah, so that's, that is crazy. I honestly, as soon as you said that, the first thing I thought of is I'm surprised it didn't go through nowadays. I know. I know. That's that's our taxpayer money. That's our taxpayer money. That's having to do these cases. That's funny. You think the exact same way I do, because I was thinking, I'm like, technically like he did die. So, you know, wording and stuff and, and, like I've worked in the legal department when I was in New York city and I worked for the New York Yankees, I was in the legal department. And it's like, it really is amazing how just certain things could be hard evidence or certain verbiage. And, you know, so I'm actually, I am surprised that it didn't go through, but yeah, pretty funny. Anyways, let's talk about sharps bros. So Sharps Rose, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they're really known for, you know, like all of their really cool lowers, like the Skull, the Warthog, just all kinds of stuff. But they also make AK receivers. And maybe one of these days when I learn enough about AKs, I might venture off and make my own AK. I haven't really gotten to that point, especially after, Adam, especially after you said, you know, that Sentry Arms like spent all this time trying to, you know, like fine tune everything. And it, and it makes perfect sense. Um, definitely AKs are not as easy as like ARs to assemble and, you know, and then they work uh, pretty well. But they do make AK receivers and they're really cool. So if you're like an AK enthusiast, I would definitely recommend check them out. It's at sharpsbros.com. And now it's time for the Q&A. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. So guys, if you have any questions for me, definitely submit it. Go to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form and uh, submit your question there. Today's question is, how do you train with your firearms? And it's funny that this question came up uh, because last weekend, this past weekend, I was training. Um, I spent two days on the range and one of my friends who's also an instructor, he took a uh, uh, if you guys know Ronin Tactics to Lamb, uh, he took his class and I wasn't able to take the class. Uh, I had to teach that day, but he was kind of teaching me some of the things that he learned. And it's so funny because like, so, you know, when you first start off, you're taught a certain way, like, you know, the, when you're gripping the gun, you should kind of like the whole control, you should push, pull. And then as you get a little bit more into it, you are taught, you know, okay, squeeze the gun as tight as possible, rotate your elbows out. And then I learned more information. And it's like, at this point, I'm like, I don't even know if I could shoot well anymore. Like I've, <laughs> I'm so confused where I'm like, you know, just it's all good information, but it's so hard to learn a certain way. And then as you progress, it's like, okay, well, how do you absorb recoil and how do you get back on target quicker? And, you know, so like certain tactics worked, you know, when you were first learning and, you know, and then once you kind of got that accuracy down, it's like, all right, let's implement new skills. And I'm still working on, it drives me nuts because I'm still working on shooting the gun without making the gun have too much of a muzzle flip, you know, trying to absorb that recoil. And it's so, it's been a, definitely a challenge for me. I don't know about you guys, but 
so that's what I was working on this weekend. And at this point, I don't even know how I trained with firearms. I'm so just like over it. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I've learned is everybody's got good advice and there's a lot of really good things that work for a lot of people. And then there's ultimately, ultimately the gun's only as good as what you can do with it in your hands. So oh, you yeah. have to find that, that happy medium of what you're comfortable with and what is a way to improve your skill set. Definitely. So yeah, I don't know. Ken, what's your input? Important. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump on. No, I was going to say, what is your input on it? Uh, well, you know, one of the more important things is to get out and train also. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is a perishable skill. And if you find yourself off of the range for three or four months, I know with myself, uh, after three or four months, if I don't, you know, get to the range, uh, I have to go back to the basics and, mm-hmm. you know, really work on the basics again. But, you know, if you get with a good trainer, spend some time on the range practicing, uh, start to understand how to follow your front sight, you know, as it recoils, mm-hmm. uh, which are true grip needs to be based on your hand size you know an instructor can help you with that but only you are going to know when it's right Mm -hmm. you know when it's exactly right so uh you know it's all in practice yeah and i do think i mean so if i can't make it to the range like i do belong to an indoor range which is nice especially with like the cold weather and stuff but if you guys only have access to an outdoor range i know a lot of people don't want to shoot you know when it's super cold outside but dry fire drills are you know just i think they're amazing it definitely helps even air guns recently i did a review on an air gun and that was actually, that was really fun. And so I would say, you know, that's also kind of a good way to kind of keep up with those skills, but definitely train, train with multiple instructors. Don't just pick one and assume that they know more than anyone else. I even train with, you know, as as much as possible with any instructor, whether I agree with what they're saying or not, it's still something that, you know, you evaluate and you take with a grain of salt and either you apply it or you don't, but the fact that you get behind a gun and you're shooting, I think it's, you know, it's, it's always good to do. So that's my two cents. But yeah, at this point I am kind of stuck with like, okay, now I have to relearn how to shoot and break old habits and ugh, it's so hard. So I'm curious if you guys, if you guys have a way to, when you're shooting and absorb that recoil and basically make it look like as if the gun's not even moving, if you guys have any tips, definitely email me. I want to know um, because that's what I'm playing around with right now. All right. So Palmer 80. Right now, Palmer 80 has uh, complete slides for $425, but you're not going to pay that much because when you use the code GUNFUNNY, you will get 15% off. And when I mean a complete slide, it doesn't just mean the slide itself. It's the barrel, the guide rod, all that good stuff. Um, so pretty good price. Um, they also have complete kits that you can buy as well. So check them out at Palmer80.com. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. All right. So just recently, and um, everybody knows the show's pre-recorded, but today we just got news that the Supreme Court allows Sandy Hook families uh, case against Remington Arms to proceed. And the verbiage there is a little, I don't know if they really allowed it so much as they they chose not to listen to it. They chose not to, um, I guess, uh, proceed with it. Yeah, they're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna uh, stop it. They're gonna say it, it's allowed to. They're gonna hear it out. They're gonna let it play out and see what happens. Mm. 
which isn't, isn't completely uncommon. It does happen in some cases. Um, so it basically gets kicked back to lower courts, uh, where then it will go to trial. But the fact that it's even gotten to this point is just insane. And, uh, and basically if you guys aren't familiar, so, uh, the families from Sandy Hook that lost loved ones, they are suing Remington. They've changed their story a little bit, but basically now it boils down to Remington. They think Remington Arms marketed a certain way to, I don't know, like active shooters or to, you know, certain, certain types of people. Young, impressionable males was a thing by they, they knowingly sold a overly dangerous and capable firearm in the Bushmaster AR-15 to individuals, to an individual that was unstable and they intentionally marketed to him, uh, marketed to young, unstable males by having their guns placed in video games. Wow. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? That's what the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I, honestly, I'm almost like, I'm just speechless about it. Um, because if you think about it, like if this case, you know, if they win this case, like think about what this could cause for so many other companies, like, you know, fast food restaurants, like the way that they market their food on, you know, in commercials and stuff, or the fact that what was it like McDonald's or any of those fast food places that put toys and happy meals, it's like, you know, encouraging kids to, they're going to eat food that's typically bad for you in order to get the toy. Um, right. It's just I mean, from a market from a marketing standpoint. Think about it as simple as this. So we all grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. When did you see the most cereal commercials? Oh, Saturday yeah. morning cartoons. Kid gets up. He turns on his Saturday morning cartoons. He's hungry or he's already eating cereal. So it makes sense to go after the consumer that enjoys the product you have. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you unstable because you like to play a video game. It doesn't make you obese or uh, you know, primed to be diabetic because you liked sugar cereal mm-hmm. in the morning when you were a child. Mm-hmm. What it is, is, is it's your inability as a person to show control and restraint that leads to obesity or sugar related illnesses or your inability to understand that the value of human life is more, more precious than, than your anger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ultimately, if you take away a kid's sugary cereal, but they still have an issue with overeating and, and, and proper consumption attitudes, like we do, like you and I talk about eating whatever we want to, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to find ways. They might not eat, you know, Lucky Charms, but they're going to go eat a Snickers bar. They're going to eat something. They're going to continue to find ways to feed whatever their vice is, regardless of that. And like I said, you know, that's been the issue. If you're going to blame the gun for for somebody's mental illness and inability to separate their own personal issues from, from innocent victims, then we, it's a slippery slope that goes so much farther than the firearms community, the two, eight, the second amendment mm-hmm. into every other dynamic in life. Yep. Absolutely. So, and I'm, I'm surprised that like more companies aren't, you know, kind of backing this cause it, it's, it, it opens like a, a whole, you know, just so many more issues for so many other companies. Yeah, and it's setting a horrible precedence. Uh, if you look at the automotive industry, which is where I come from originally, uh, if you start saying that, uh, and if you look at the amount of deaths that come from automobiles a year, and you say that, you know, uh, this is moving forward because of these deaths in Sandy Hook, which is horrible, 
first mm-hmm. of all. We all know that that's mm-hmm. horrible. But, you know, when you look at the amount of deaths that happen from a from an automobile a year, now everyone who's in a car accident, who is killed in a car accident, their family can come to go to those automobile companies and say, hey, you knew that this many deaths happened a year, yet you still built this product and didn't make it so it doesn't crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, if you are your cell phone, you know that so distracted driving causes how many deaths a year? Now cell phone companies uh, open them, themselves up to suits because they know that distracted driving happens and so many deaths a year happen because of distracted driving. Yeah, it's it's crazy what this could, what could come from this. Mm-hmm. I know. But this is the world that we live in now, <laughs> which is like unfortunate. This is why I'm not having kids. This is why I have a, a little tickles. Like, you know, know, I think the biggest question is, I think the average informed uh, supporter of the Second Amendment recognizes the severity of what's happening in our culture and in our country right now. I think the biggest question is now is to stop lamenting or the biggest thought in my part is stop lamenting on how crappy it is and how screwed up the system is and try to figure out what we can do as a community to band together. And it's not necessarily always going to be we quote unquote fight back. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily, I think there's a time and a place to stand up and say, Hey, we're just not going to tolerate this. But I think, I think what's happening a lot is the reason that, you know, I'd say a large percentage of the population not necessarily supports this, but doesn't say, wow, this is completely, you know, idiocracy and just doesn't make sense. And if you're going to apply this to guns, then it's slippery slope. The reason they're not up in arms about this, no pun intended, is because is because they don't understand enough about what guns are mm-hmm. and what what the laws behind firearms are in this country and the functionality of the firearm. I think having civil intellectual conversation with individuals that simply do not know is going to make the biggest push. I think there's going to be certain people that are going to strictly be anti-firearm and be, you know, pro-gun control. And, and those people, while we spend 95% of our time focusing on them, I'd say we'd be blessed to convert 5% of them to our way of thinking. But I think there's a huge percentage of the population that simply don't care right now or don't know enough to know they should care. So I think focusing on efforts on them is going to be a huge shift in the paradigm in terms of how we actually make a difference. Getting people to realize, you know what, you may never have a huge passion for firearms. And that's okay. That's your right as an American. And it's honestly the right of the Americans to say, hey, I don't want to have a gun, but it's not your right to tell somebody else. But getting those people to understand the severity of this and the repercussions of if these kind of laws were to pass and these kind of judgments were to be made, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, hey, not only is it going to uh, uh, infringe on your rights outside of the uh, gun community, but it's also going to infringe on your safety. And, you know, and, and helping these people to understand that and getting them passionate about the bigger picture is going to be our, our biggest chance of, of actually making a difference. And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox about it, but I think it's really important to realize that at some point we actually have to, have to be vocal to those that just don't understand. You know, there's so many people that saw this as a headline on Yahoo a few minutes ago and on the Wall Street Journal and all kinds of things like that. And they just scroll past it. And it's not because they don't care. They just don't know enough to care. And I think that's where we can really make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Now it's time for iTunes reviews. (music) 
If you guys haven't done so already, please go to iTunes and leave Gun Funny a review. Otherwise, just head on over to the Facebook page and leave a review there. Uh, so guys, pay attention because I'm going to have you pick a lucky winner. But the first review is from Rover642, five stars, great podcast. Ava is awesome as a host. Her guests always have a unique point of view, fun to listen to, and I always learn something. Join Patreon because of the podcast. Keep up the good work. James from Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, second is Squatty Bob, five stars, a $5 foot long. I am the Squatty Bob. I come from the land of Squatty people. We eat candy corn for every meal. That's probably why we are so squatty. We have to eat the candy corn while it is fresh. I shove my cheeks full of the candy corn like a chipmunk. Rescue Rangers chipmunks, not Alvin, Simon, or Theodore. That had to be said. Keep up the good work. Now I just want candy corn. I love the Rescue Rangers. I'm going with the, the Rescue, rescue Rangers. Rangers. <laughs> I can't believe you res- reference Rescue Rangers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I would listen to the podcast now if I hadn't before. And, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the first guy was just blowing smoke up your your butt there, Ava. We all know you're great. Now he's just jumping on the <laughs> No, he did say he did say the content and the people that are on the show are amazing. Oh, yeah, he did. But I mean, if you think about it, I typically pick the guests, so you know. He's so basically, also just... it's a reflection of how amazing you are. It's yeah, you. we're basically yeah. back on that hashtag stay humble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And he's a Patreon, but you know what? Squatty Bob is also a Patreon. So, all right, Squabby, Squatty Bob, congrats. You win a Charger Arms hat. He's going to love that. <laughs> all right. You can keep candy corn in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to ship it with a bunch of candy corn. Actually, funny story. One of the Patreons thought it would be funny to play a prank on me, and they sent me all of the candy corn things, like candy corn shirts with my name on it, like Ava the Candy Corn Queen a um a crown with candy corn on it like every candy corn flavor you can imagine candy corn scent scented oil just recently i just got a box actually like two days ago of the hershey's candy bars it's white chocolate with candy corn in it like at this point i don't even know if i ever want to look at candy corn again and i was obsessed with it like a few weeks ago ask me now i don't even want to look at it so candy corn and peeps are the two most pointless disgusting no way holidays of all time hands down i love peeps like especially if you open them and you like let them get like a little hard like just slightly hard Uh, no i'm not you are the reason that candy corn and peeps are still in business yes (laughs) okay i still think the the grossest candy out there though is the circuit circus peanuts but those are basic. If if candy corn and peeps had a baby, it would literally <laughs> be a circus peanut. Think no. about it. Think about it. It's it's like a it's Actually, like a stale right. marshmallow that's all sugar. That's what candy corn and peeps are. You Dang. just literally combined your two favorite holiday candies <laughs> into what is the nastiest candy of all time. Congratulations. Okay, but here's the thing: you don't see me eating peeps and then candy corn at the same time. Yeah, you know why? So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that actually is such a good point. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Like it is, it is kind of if you combine the two, but I don't combine the two. So I'm sticking with that. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, all kinds of, gosh, they have like, actually, when I go to Savannah, I'm bringing some mermaid candy corn and I'm going to bring some Hershey's candy corn just, just to share with some of my friends that I make there in Savannah. And Do they like you? 
They will. It's going to bring them through kids. Uh, uh-huh. Great. Right. You know, I'll tell you, there's only one holiday suite that really just gets gets me excited. And I and I go the first day that I find out they come out, and I buy, not a joke, 20 boxes of them from my local Fruit grocery cake. store. No. Get out of here. Okay. Because I was literally, I was about to just kick you off the show, like, for good. Yeah, I'm not a terrorist. No, the, <laughs> the Christmas tree Little Debbie Cakes. You know, like the white ones with like the sprinkle. They're like the zebra cakes. But yeah, so I like the ones. zebra cakes. But, but what the Christmas tree ones will literally change your life. What's different about them from the zebra ones? They're, well, first off, they're Christmas trees. Okay. So, so but but I am and Jewish. I don't know if that makes it. I don't know. If, can you I'm imagine red. though a Jew eating a Christmas tree little Debbie cake? Well, you know what? They don't, they actually, they do they have Star the David ones? They, yeah, they released the menorah ones and they didn't sell it all. Yeah, so, so. You mean like in their one little Jewish section that they have at the grocery <laughs> store? Yeah, they came in packs of one and you only got one a day for 13. Yeah, yeah that was weird. That was weird. So they didn't sell as well. All right. I guess I'm going to have to try those because I'm always down. Like I did have the zebra cakes. Actually, somebody sent it to the studio and as a joke. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just try one, you know, like put it on camera. Like, Hey guys, thanks for showing, you know, thanks for sending it, whatever. And then throw them away. But I was like, dang, these are good. And I ended up eating like the entire box in like one day. So I was like, all right. I'm understanding why you have to work out for two hours a day. Now yeah. No kidding. Like, all people do is send you sugar. I know. I know. So guys, if you're listening, please stop sending me sugar. Don't send me like any diet stuff or anything like that. But you know, like gift cards would be nice or guns or, you know. <laughs> did, you just ask, did you just ask for a sugar daddy? Uh, maybe. Like <laughs> maybe. Awesome. But just don't send any more sugar because I, you know, I work way too hard at the gym to just let it all go. All right. So we're going to wrap up on that note. If you guys want to find me, I, I'm at gunfunny.com. There's uh, links to everything, social media, uh, YouTube. Actually, right now, uh, Kenny Ortega, who's the editor, he is working on putting us on Spotify if he hasn't already. So there's that because I know you guys requested. There's a lot of requests for that. Otherwise, we're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, you name it, we're there. Think about considering, you know, think about becoming a Patreon if you can't get enough of Gun Funny. Even just $1 gets you access to the Patreon-only Facebook page. There's always some really funny, uh, just always funny stuff going on there. Really, I enjoy everybody that's in there, even the annoying ones. But, you know, there's always like we're, we're posting videos. There's a lot of like behind the scene footage that's going in there as well as like good conversations and stuff like that. Uh, there's also a lot of really cool gun memes, you know, whatever. Um, Blown Deadline, they are giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron every month. So if that's not enough reason to, you know, become a Patreon. And then I wanted to thank our $25 patrons, and that is Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons and Charger Arms, and King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And he wants me to tell you guys to go to uh, Tack Tickles Instagram. It's Tack underscore Tickles and give her a follow. Are you guys following Tack Tickles? That's my dog. Operator Tickles. I, don't know. I guess we're going to have to check that out. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess now you're going to have to go and follow it. It's pretty funny. People will say it's Photoshopped. It's not. I'm just letting you know. And I'll tell you what, Ava, to help push it if you want. Uh, I'll give you, I'll send you 25 U.S. Palm mags that you can give out to 25 listeners, however you want, whether it's if they join you or whatever you want. So you got 25 U.S. Palm mags to give away as well. Awesome. 
That's really cool. Thank you. And, uh, and then lastly, uh, still doing the tag pack giveaway. So if you guys want to enter that giveaway, just go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP, enter your name, your email address. I'll draw a lucky winner. Otherwise, if you want to just head on over to tagpack.com, use the code gunfunny and you will receive a free mystery grab bag of tactical gear with your, for, with your first box. I don't know what it is today. I just can't talk. I think it's because I worked out too hard. <laughs> Uh, okay, nobody else laugh at that. Tough crap. We're looking, though, we're looking at tacticals right now. Oh, okay. And you guys are like definitely trying not, not to laugh, right? Definitely not Photoshop. Not at all. No, not at all. People will say it's Photoshopped. It's like there's so many haters out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dog has seen some things. Yeah, she She's has. Like forest dump of dog world. Yeah, well, you know. Good old little tickles. All right, guys. I just wanted to thank you again for joining me today. You guys were excellent guests. Just remind listeners where they can find Century Arms and all that good stuff. Absolutely. CenturyArms.com. You can check us out on social media. We have all the social media platforms. Um, and, you know, just keep supporting the Second Amendment. Keep supporting the community as a whole. And thank you for having us. Definitely. And um, watch out for my review of the Canic. That should be posted... Uh, probably in the next week or two. And then also I'm going to be posting a video. I'm teaming up with family firearms and I, uh, I got a Draco and I'm going to be doing some really cool stuff with that. So I think it's going to break the internet. We'll see, but I'm going to make a video of that. So, uh, be on the lookout for that as well. All right, guys, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.